Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast designed to give you the inside scoops of life in our church. Uh, I've got a repeat guest, uh, Inspiration Pastor Tom Lowen with us. Tom, say hi to everybody. How's it going? And uh, since you've already been here giving us the backstory on your world, uh, tell us one cool thing about what's going on in your life these days. Uh, these days, there's a lot going on in my world. Uh, we are balancing a bunch of different things. One of the most exciting ones right now is that my wife and I, Sarah Jade and I, uh, have a band called Copper and Iron, and we are in the middle of recording, and what's recorded now, we're mixing and mastering and putting together a new album, uh, 13 songs. Uh, we're making this, actually. It's been a cool experience because uh, we have been able to connect with one of my longtime musical heroes, uh, who is from Toronto, and he's producing the album. And we actually just spent uh, five days up in Toronto last week opening for him at a show, which is sort of like a, a 16-year-old's dream come true. So <laughs> yeah, that's, really. that's what's going on for us these days. Yeah, there's way more to that story. We don't have time to get into it, but uh, very cool the way that your relationship uh, with this kind of boyhood idol has has connected. Uh, Becky and I were up in Toronto at one of these shows, and uh, it was just so cool to see you guys all together. And uh, just for us as members to appreciate that, you know, you moonlight in uh, five nights consecutively uh, in Toronto. It's not quite a full-time job, but it's definitely more than a hobby. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in addition to, uh, to the pastoring, uh, that's, that's certainly a lot of fun. Uh, hey, we want to talk about uh, something that we have been discussing in our uh, fall kickoff series that we called For mm-hmm. Niagara, which is this whole idea of the language we're using to describe our Sunday mornings as a spiritual gymnasium. And we want to give our members a chance just to get our heads and hearts around this concept and this paradigm. And so that's what we want to dig into this conversation today to discuss. Um, Just for starters, Tom, why do we use that language? What does spiritual gymnasium even mean or refer to? Well, it's amazing. Just when you think you're being innovative and totally original and creative, uh, just last night I was on Netflix and I was watching this documentary on mindfulness and meditation. And, uh, this, this Buddhist monk was basically saying, met mindfulness is doing for your mind what you do for your body when you go to the gym, the gym and work out. It's mm. exercising and training and strengthening. And for us, we just believe that there is, um, there is a spiritual component to that as well. We believe that we are meant to engage in practices and exercises to become spiritually fit, not just come to church like it's a classroom where you're coming to learn about a book uh, or just a concert you're going to to sing and have fun uh, or a rally where you're getting your passions ignited and getting all excited about the stuff you're going to go do. At the end of the day, we believe that, that when we gather together as a church family, it should stretch us and push us and challenge us to grow in our spirits and in our character and in our ability to connect uh, with Jesus in a deeper and more intimate way, uh, to be pushed to think about how, well, just like kind of, you know, when you go to a gym, it's meant to keep you fit when you're not at the gym. The idea of coming to church is, you know, to get become spiritually fit so that when I'm out in the world, when I'm at work, when I'm at home, when I'm out with my friends, I'm actually living more spiritually fit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for those of us who have a mindset of why we come to church, now to be clear, we've described and we've alluded to this uh, recently in one of the talks that in our welcome video, we say around here, we view the church as 
less as something you attend and more as a life to be lived and shared with others. So we already live in more of a lifestyle mindset Mm -hmm. than a program or event mindset. But when it comes to this event of going to church or going to the, the weekend gathering, you're alluding to the notion that this spiritual gymnasium, uh, paradigm or the spiritual gymnasium reason for going to church is differentiated from some other reasons that people might have. And you, you talked about a few of the, you talked about classroom. What else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the classroom, the kind of like the learning environment. I'm here to just kind of learn about some the- theology or learn about the Bible. Uh, a rally, I think, that is just kind of this emotional connection with the yeah, community that, would, you know, or even a concert. Uh, I mean, music has become an enormous part of church culture these days, and that's a great thing. It's a biblical thing, but uh, I think that um, when you show up just for a concert, just to sing and engage with the songs, uh, that is missing something um, much more formative that we're hoping for out of a Sunday morning experience. Mm -hmm. So for our listeners, what I guess I'm looking for at the very beginning of this conversation is for us to reflect on which mindset or paradigm we currently hold about why we go to church. Do do we go primarily for the learning? Do we go primarily for the emotional pick-me-up? Do we go primarily uh, for the worship experience, the music and the offering of worship to God? Or have we even opened ourselves up to this other reason, which is the reason we're offering them, and that's what we want to kind of get in sync with in this podcast today. Do, have we opened ourselves up to the reason of participating in this spiritual gymnasium together? Do we even kind of approach going to church with this mindset? And I know that together with you, Tom, this is uh, something that we've tried to kind of battle uh, a little bit this year is to get people embracing that there's this alternative reason for coming to church that is the reason why we're having the services in the first place that we want people to be in sync on. Yeah, and I would actually hope that people, I mean, those all of these reasons are actually, they all have some pros to them and some benefits to, to experiencing these different, like going to a classroom and learning stuff is, is good, it's not bad. But I would actually hope that when a person gets in their car in the morning and goes to Southridge to be part of that experience, in addition to hoping to connect with friends and maybe sing some of my favorite songs, um, I think it's so easy to fall into a trap of, I'm going to go and have my existing beliefs just validated by the sermon, or I'm going to sing the songs that I, I hope they sing the ones that I like. But I would actually want people to show up with the mentality to say, I actually hope this morning that, that something happens in this experience that is uncomfortable for me, that challenges me, that stretches me to think outside of my existing thinking, or pushes me to maybe engage in behaviors mm-hmm. I've never tried before, because... That's actually the only way growth happens is when we're doing stuff that's uncomfortable or new or challenging. And we all want to come together, not just to, you know, rub each other on the back and say, isn't it great? We all are here together, but to actually be challenged to grow and to learn and to move beyond just some comfortable country club approach to Sunday yeah. mornings. Which is which is the whole paradigm of a person who shows up to a gym to work out. Right. I'm going to sweat. I'm going to come home hurting. Yeah. I'm going to come home tired, yeah. uncomfortable. This isn't about, you know, being entertained yeah. or just you know, intellectually stimulated or whatever. This is about exercising my my yeah. spirit and and really going for it. Um one comment I wanted to get into, we, we recently rooted the vision of this spiritual gymnasium in our Four Niagara series around the challenge of a, of dealing with the hip, the hypocrisy in the Christian church. 
And uh, first of all, let's review, why is the challenge of hypocrisy hard to deal with among Christ followers in church communities? Oh, why is it hard to deal with? I mean, reputationally, it's hard to deal with because I think it's it's a, just such a culturally pervasive thing that people see Christians as hypocrites. It's almost like, for a lot of people, it's synonymous. Um, I, for me, I, I was uh, I, I was reading a book recently that was talking about leadership, and he talked about leaders and their identity in two different ways that I actually, for me, I've been reflecting them on this whole hypocrisy challenge. The first thing he talked about was people who sort of lead, he compared it to like using a fake ID, basically trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not. And I think that that is certainly one of the types of hypocrisy that we wrestle with in the Christian world, where Christians sometimes are seen as people who are trying to pretend to be somebody that they're not. And here's the real challenge in that. The answer, I mean, our culture would say, oh, just be yourself. But the, the, the challenge that we are wrestling with is the invitation of God is actually to be more than just yourself, to actually experience the reality of Christ in your life, right. to actually live in ways right. that you can't live. Uh, the whole, you know, it used to be a fad to walk around wearing WWJD bracelets. Ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then try to imitate that. The problem is, I'm not Jesus. I can't do what Jesus did. And yeah. so I'm immediately an imposter. And I think when we allow that, I'm going to try to be like Jesus, I'm going to try to, it just produces this fake ID kind of hypocrisy in us um, that we're actually trying to learn how to say, I'm going to acknowledge my identity, my reality, and my deficiencies and flaws and whatever, and actually work to surrender and die to those things to let Christ live his life through me, which really is kind of the antidote to that kind of hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. The second one that, that this writer wrote about that I really liked as well, um, he called it uh, carrying multiple passports. And if you think about like the Jason Bourne movies, this idea of being able to kind of whatever country you're in or whoever you're with, you can speak a different language or have a different passport. And uh, basically what he was suggesting was that for a lot of us, we sort of chameleon our way through life and we be who we need to be for the environment. So I go to church on Sunday morning and I'm a religious, you know, Christian person who's really talking about how blessed I am and this and that. But then at work, I can be a jerk to my employees or I can be a bully or I can be lazy or, you know, <clears throat> super critical or I go out with the gut the guys on a Friday night and I can turn into a completely different person. Mm. And we sort of live with these multiple passports. Now, the thing about it is, I think we do this because we are so, as humans, so easily influenced by the people and environments that we're with at any given time. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. But what we're trying to wrestle with as an antidote to that is, what if uh, the person and the environment that we are primarily being influenced by is the person of Christ and the environment of the kingdom and uh, these spaces that we create to be with Jesus, that they actually become so influential in who we're being that it shapes much more of a consistent single identity, whatever environment I find myself in. Mm -hmm. The uh, I like both of those, and and it really, I hope we can understand this as we're listening. The, this is the starting point, actually, for the thinking behind the spiritual gymnasium, is realizing that as a follower of Jesus, I'm actually invited to follow Jesus, and that the label of Christian literally means little Christ. I'm aspiring to live like someone I'm not, and aspiring to live like someone that I won't innately live like. Whether I'm being multiple personalities in multiple environments or not, I can't live up to that. And so as soon as I'm aspiring to live like Jesus, I'm by definition a hypocrite. Exactly. The aha moment, and I know you had this in your personal life, especially in the Bible school days, mm -hmm. I remember way back when, 
when when you realized, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit, the awareness that fundamentally as a follower of Jesus, it's not my trying that is the essence of the Christian life. It's the awakening and allowing of the risen Jesus to live his life through me. Talk about that aha for you so that some of us who either have had that aha or maybe haven't or just need the fresh reminder can start this conversation there because that's where the the logic for the spiritual gymnasium ultimately starts. Yeah, I mean, this this is absolutely, like you said, this is uh, seminal to my adult life uh, of following Christ uh, because I, I was raised in the church. I, I grew up, you know, knowing the Bible, being pretty familiar with the Bible and church behaviors and what it meant to be a Christian. Um, and yet for me, probably in a lot of ways, in how I was raised or how I interpreted it, it had to do with the kind of clothes you wear on Sunday morning or the hymns you sing or the these and thous. And it felt always very disconnected from my daily life. Um, because of a friend, uh, I ended up at uh, a Cape and Ray Bible school in BC when I was, I think, about 19 years old. And for me, I had always sort of had this sense, I think that a lot of people have, of Christianity has a bunch of do's and don'ts. Uh, there's certain behaviors that are good. There's certain behaviors that are bad. They're called sins. And we've got to apologize for those and try to stop doing them so that we can be good Christian people. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, follow his example. And what I was confronted with for the very first time was this idea that the example of Christ, because it is so pure and so perfect, is actually impossible for me to emulate. And that emulating it or trying to, in fact, the harder you try to be like Jesus, the more you're sinning, the more you're actually falling, you're relying on your own ability, which I'm just, we're all born totally inept to be like Christ. We are just born flawed and broken and all of those things just come through inevitably. I might be able to white knuckle it for an hour or two or a couple of days, but at the end of the day, I'm inevitably going to fail and fall. And what I came to realize or to learn was that actually it's not about trying harder. It's not about doing better. It's actually about giving up trying in a sense, letting go, dying to self, recognizing that I can't, but that Christ in me can actually live a completely different kind of lifestyle. So it actually, I don't know if this sounds too weird for people, but the goal of the of the Christ life in a follower is actually to be surrendered and submitted and to not take over, not take control, and actually let Jesus live a whole different quality of life through me so that it's not me becoming more patient, it's actually me yielding my impatience and letting Christ be patient through me as an example. Right. So the Christian life, and I mean, this is textbooks upon libraries worth of of, uh, uh, sophistication that we could dig into, but the, the Christian life is actually Jesus risen life, indwelling mine, empowered to live through me. Right. Jesus living his life through me is what we're ultimately aspiring to, not trying to close that gap on my own or on our own between us and Jesus. That's the first aha mm-hmm. in this in this whole process. The second one then is how, in a practical way, how do you let Jesus live his life through you? Mm-hmm. We often talk about uh, internally this uh, teaching of Jesus in John chapter 15, right? I'm the vine, you are the branches, he says. And he says, abide in me yeah. and I in you. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing, yeah. right? But 
abiding in me, you can bear much fruit and thus show yourself to be a disciple. I'm just paraphrasing. It's not exact. But, uh, you know, we've often wrestled with what does it mean practically if I'm not trying to live like Jesus, but I'm trying to trust him to live his life through me in that abiding sense. Practically speaking, how do I do that? Right, right, right. Yeah, because the theory, you know, it makes sense. The metaphor works, but day to day, what does that actually, what does it mean to abide? Right, right. I'll start with the, with what I think is the ultimate goal. There's this great book many of us have read. Uh, I read it probably a couple decades ago called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. Mm-hmm. It's written by a monk named Brother Lawrence. And his basic philosophy was that he wanted to live, he wanted to practice God's presence in him, exactly what we're talking about, every moment of every single day. And the way he described it, he said when he got it right, he could feel... He would say, he said, basically, I feel no closer to God when I'm taking communion in the cert, in the chapel in the service, uh, which would be in his world the, the pinnacle spiritual experience, than when I'm like scrubbing dirty pots in the kitchen. Right. Because at every single moment, I'm living with a conscious awareness of His presence. Now, how do you how do you do that again? Is the question, and I think it starts really simply with taking small practical steps to begin practicing the kinds of behaviors that help us be aware of God's presence in our lives, aware of my own propensity to take control and to learn how to submit and surrender those things. So it's, I mean, it's really simple stuff like Bible reading and praying and reflecting and being in good Christian community where people can speak honestly into my life. Those simple practices, uh, if we do them on a daily basis, and even over time, throughout the day, these practices become normal for us. And we can actually get to that point where even when we're scrubbing dirty pots or driving to work or in a meeting, we actually are still living with a consciousness that Christ's presence, his Holy Spirit is in me and can flow through me in those moments just as much as when we're in a church service yeah, on Sunday morning. And this is, this is really the, the, the key to all of this from our perspective, gang, if you're listening in, that, you know, if point number one is only Jesus through his risen spirit in us. Only Jesus can live the Christian life through us. The second main building block is that the only way we can allow Jesus, or at least the primary way we can allow Jesus to do that is through practicing his presence, practicing the presence of God, which quite simply is the engaging moment by moment in an increased consciousness of spiritual practices. I was thinking about this the other day when I was driving, because in my life, there are lots of areas where I live a hypocritical or an inconsistent to Jesus life, probably no more so than I'm, on, I'm driving a car. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, and my wife is affirming this as she's listening to this, I'm probably the least like Jesus when I'm driving a car. And the question is, how do I become more like Jesus when I'm driving? How do I exude more joy, more patience, less frustration, less annoyance? And it's fundamentally impossible for me to do that, point one. But if I can incorporate an increasing consciousness and engagement in the practices that open up the access to Jesus' life in and through mine, all of a sudden he has the room to transform me into his image and make me a more Christ-like car driver with integrity. Mm -hmm. 
That's actually at a practical level how this works. Number one, we can't live like Jesus. Only Jesus can live like Jesus. But number two, we can practice his presence in increasingly conscious, moment-by-moment ways that allow him to live his life through us. That's the that's the the logic of all of this, so that then we can get to the point, kind of brings us back full circle to our conversation about Sunday mornings. We want to not just engage in these practices on Sunday morning. We want to teach them to people so that they can engage in these exercises in a cooking, you know, washing the pots, driving your car, uh, you know, when you wake up in the morning, when you so that you can live this out moment by moment, day by day. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. So when you're in the car, uh, the whole point is is that you need what you need something to trigger, really just baseline awareness, just consciousness. Yeah, the consciousness. Yeah. That I have a choice to make right now, just to kind of go with the flow and turn on the radio and drive along and allow myself to kind of run roughshod over my own life, or what's that thing that actually intervenes? What's the thought or the the behavior that that forces me to say, okay, no, I'm actually going to engage, live with this conscious awareness of the presence of God. And so this is the kind of stuff that we are trying to build into our Sunday morning exercises that are designed then to be brought home into your regular life. These just simple behaviors, we're trying to make them sticky and memorable, um, whether it's having a slip of paper from one to 100 and ripping it in half or, you know, tying knots in a rope or playing with Play-Doh. We're trying to have these, these mechanisms to... So that when we're in our daily life, we can remember these things. They can trigger, oh, yeah, I'm trying to be more tenderhearted right now. Or I have to remember to pray in this kind of a way. And so all of these exercises that we're doing, this workout we're doing on Sunday morning, is, again, just designed to be the kind of stuff that when I hop into the car or when I sit down for dinner with my family or when I go out with friends or, you know, wherever I find myself... They're simple ways that just trigger a, oh yeah, I've got to bring a different mentality right now. Less of me, more of Christ. Yeah, and this gang, this is the fundamental practical difference between the spiritual gymnasium approach to our gatherings and the concert, classroom, or pep rally Mm -hmm. approach. They're all about just the event. This is about equipping or fostering the lifestyle so that the person, you know, I was thinking about uh, an experience that you guys have done a number of times and will do in the future from time to time uh, in our service called breath prayer. Right. And as weird or awkward as that might seem for some of us, especially if we're newer to this, um, breath prayer is the kind of thing, if I can consciously remember it yeah. during the week, that changes who I am as a driver. Yes. It changes the the disposition that I have when I put my kids to bed. Am I irritable and impatient or am I kind and caring? And it, it, it changes me because it consciously practices the presence of God and allows him to transform and live his life in and through me to a greater degree. That's the point. The point of the breath prayer is not just to do some weird stuff for five minutes on Sunday that other churches probably wouldn't spend five minutes doing. It's to train us in the practicing of the presence of God. That's what we're trying to do. So, Tom, give us uh, just a a, a few more uh, maybe examples or maybe some insight in what, what your creative team is learning these days about providing these kinds of supports in order for these practices to be more frequently or to be more consciously engaged in our lives throughout the week. What's the leading edge thinking from your department on this? 
Yeah, I mean, one of them would be that we have, I think over the last couple of years, our, our strategy has been, let's just try some things and see what works and see how, how it goes. Um, as we've been doing that, we've found that some have really tracked with people, some haven't, some have stretched us in, in interesting and really good ways. Um, but one of the things that we have recognized is that when we just do something like breath prayer on a Sunday morning, uh, since you used that example, and then we never do it again, uh, it, it becomes hard to incorporate into my regular lifestyle. And again, this isn't about just a popcorn of random things that I try every once in a while because one this one-time workout is going to somehow magically fix yeah. me. The whole, the whole link to the, the gymnasium metaphor is that it's this daily repetition of the same kinds of exercises uh, that actually over time shapes me. So like you said, we've been trying to do this breath prayer thing somewhat frequently, Um uh, we've also done this soap. Yeah, soap exercise. Uh, yeah, it's about basically just a Bible reading. I like the soap one because it incorporates things like Bible reading, reflection, prayer. And actually, in the, if you do it in an ideal way, you actually share this in community as well. Mm -hmm. um, but learning to actually do fewer things but repeat them uh, it probably will give us greater success and likelihood that they'll become lifestyle behaviors that we have regu regularly going in our lives. Um, and yeah, like just learning that uh, at the end of the day, like I, I said earlier, we're really not trying to reinvent some new hocus pocus stuff. Yeah. We're leaning into some of the basic tried and true centuries, if not millennia old practices of reading your Bible, praying, meditating, being silent enough to listen, these kinds of behaviors. And, and essentially what we're trying to do is uh, link those to our regular daily lives. So we know that people are showing up at church on Sunday morning, not just like got their sweats on and the towel over their shoulder ready for a workout. Yeah. We know that we're coming in having fought with our families or, you know, yeah. our lives are totally over busy and stressed Kids out. were a disaster in the backseat on oh, the drive to church. All of that yeah, stuff yeah. or all of the different things we come in with, exhaustion, stress, anxiety, um, fractured relationships. And to start there... And ask ourselves, what kind of practices can actually speak specifically to those felt realities that we are all coming with and train us to live in a deeper dependence day by day, moment by moment on Christ to actually produce his life in me, mm -hmm. hopefully for a completely different result, a different quality of life. Yeah. And, and so all of this kind of getting to the bottom, bottom, bottom line, all of this to our members and people who are listening in means engage with us, mm -hmm. engage with us. Uh, you said a bunch there, Tom, and I, I appreciated it. Some of this we're admittedly experimenting, mm -hmm. but what we don't need are hundreds and hundreds of armchair quarterbacks simply sitting back judging what we're doing as to whether it works or not. Mm -hmm. We're judging and assessing whether okay. these work or not. Your feedback helps, but we need engagement from all of us more than we need kind of commentary yeah. and judgment particularly on the things that we feel like have gained traction that we're going to deliberately try to incorporate repeatedly. Mm 
If you show up and we're engaging in a soap exercise on a Sunday morning, don't tune us out because "Ah, I've been there, done that. The point of repeating it is the point of repeating it so that we can engage it in our consciousness to a greater degree. If you show up and, you know, breath prayer has been something that really didn't work for you the first time, try to engage in it to a greater degree the second time, or maybe the third time, or maybe the half dozenth time, so that at one point it could enter your consciousness on the drive home in your car or putting your kids to bed or when you wake up, you know, on a Monday morning and you're not in a great mood or, and you could suddenly practice the presence of God in a different way than you had before in order to experience a greater degree of Jesus working in and through your life. Uh, I guess the invitation is just work with us on these. Know that we're experimenting at one level and know that we're deliberately reincorporating some of these at another level so that they can enter into the consciousness of our day-to-day in the other 167 hours of the week that this one-hour program seeks to support. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That would be one of the biggest requests from our team because we, we really do feel excited about what God's leading us into. Um, but if you think about this gymnasium paradigm, I mean, show me anybody who walked into a gym for the first time, looked at a treadmill and said, I want to do that. You'll never find that person <laughs> first, second, third. Like it doesn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen ever. But is it good for us? Is it going to shape us? Absolutely. And so for us, I, I remember one of my favorite stories over the last few weeks has been uh, there was a lady who attends one of our churches regularly. I was setting up one of these exercises and she told me afterwards, she said, I immediately was writing this off and I wasn't going to participate. I was going to start thinking about my rest of my, my day. Um, because she was like, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. my thing. But I had just basically said something like what Jeff said in a sentence of like, even if you don't think this is going to work for you, please just try it this once. Yeah. Do me this favor this yeah. one time. And so she did, which I mean, incredible. How many of us can make that shift? It's just, it was great that she did. And she came to me after the service and said in tears, literally in tears saying, I haven't felt that close to Christ in so long. This was so incredible. I'm going to be thinking about this all week long and processing why I felt the presence of Christ so strongly in this experience, which I thought I was not even going to even try because I thought it was a waste of time. So give it a try. Opt in. Be an opt-in person, not an opt-out person. And over time, don't measure this by whether or not you liked it or whether it felt good, or whether it was fun. Measure what we're trying to engage you in by, is this beginning to produce more spiritual engagement and reproduce the life of Christ in me more, you know, Monday to Saturday, not just, was that a good show on Sunday? Yeah, and I hope, gang, as you're listening to this, uh, you would not only kind of let this sink into your head and heart personally, but help be an advocate and an articulator of this in your circles, especially in life groups. I know our life group, for example, debriefs the spiritual exercises as significantly as we now debrief the actual message on Sunday morning to try to encourage the practicing of the presence of God among us. And so let's be those people who don't just you know, choose to opt in, but actually choose to help shape and create this paradigm because we feel like this is new for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. We're used to classrooms. We're used to concerts. We're used to pep rallies. And, you know, we're going to try to wage war on this paradigm this year and really help people embrace the spiritual gymnasium paradigm that appreciates, number one, only Jesus 
can live his life through us. Number two, we can only let Jesus do that when we practice the presence of God. And number three, we can only learn those practices and learn to incorporate those practices as we exercise and experience them together in community. So that's our thinking. Uh, If you have further questions, you can talk to myself or Tom or anyone uh, from his team. But uh, thanks for joining us again this week as we continue on this journey of finding our way together. Take care, everyone.